You're listening to Harper Audio Presents, a podcast that brings you conversation and inspiration from your favorite authors, editors, and creators, giving you new perspectives on the world of books, culture, and the arts. We are part of the HarperCollins Presents Network of Podcasts. I'm Anna Maria Alessi, and joining me today is Cynthia Dupree Sweeney, who lives in Los Angeles with her husband and children. She has an MFA from the Bennington Writing Seminar, and she joins us to talk about her debut novel, The Nest, publishing March 22nd from Echo Press. Welcome, Cynthia. Hi, thanks for having me. So it's been said about The Nest that every family has its problems, but even among the most troubled, the Plum family stands out as a spectacularly dysfunctional one. Years of simmering tensions finally reach a breaking point on a cold afternoon in New York City as Melanie, Beatrice, and Jack Plum gather to confront their charismatic and restless older brother, Leo, freshly released from rehab. Months earlier, an inebriated Leo got behind the wheel of a car with a 19-year-old waitress as his passenger. The ensuing accident has endangered the Plum's joint trust fund, The Nest, which they are months away from finally receiving. Meant by their deceased father to be a modest midlife supplement, the Plum siblings have watched The Nest value soar along with the stock market and have been counting on the money to solve a number of self-inflicted problems. Just today, the Washington Post says that the nest scenes glow with the confidence of an experienced comic writer. Uh, It's a great book. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Can you just give us a sort of a one-sentence description of the siblings Melody, Beatrice, Jack, and Leo? Sure. Well, Leo is the oldest, and he, I guess in the family narrative, was the most successful financially until he decided to sell his business and sort of slowly descended into a life of uh, leisure and debauchery, as as maybe some of the other siblings would describe it. And then his brother, Jack, is gay and married to his longtime partner, and they live in the West Village. And his partner is, is a lawyer who sort of is the financial support of the family, and Jack has an antique shop in the West Village that's always a little bit underwater. Beatrice Plum is someone who had a great deal of success very young with a series of short stories she wrote. And 10 years have gone by and she uh, hasn't been able to complete the novel she was supposed to write. And Melody Plum is living in the suburbs with her family and her teenage twin daughters who she dotes on. My first question really is, you've taken on the challenge of writing about a really broad subject matter, which is the dysfunctional family. and, And you've obviously made it your own. But were you somewhat daunted about trying to do that, to try to make a familiar sort of premise distinctive? You know, the thing is, I started the book when I was in graduate school. I was getting my MFA, and the program is really rigorous, and you have to generate a lot of new material very quickly. And so I just never, ever thought in those terms while I was in school. And I started this as a short story in my second year. And at the beginning of my thesis term, my thesis advisor, Brett Anthony Johnston, who was a wonderful writer and teacher, suggested that it was a novel. It wasn't a short story. It was the beginning of a novel and encouraged me to spend the, you know, my last few months at Bennington working on it. And I didn't have time to second guess anything I was doing. I just had to generate pages. Yeah. And I just thought of it as my thesis. I didn't think... Right, so you didn't put that pressure on yourself. No. 
had you not written the book, how would we describe your life? Like, what was your life leading up to this book? I was a writer, editor, project manager in the field of marketing communications and brand consulting in New York City for 25 years. It's obvious that you know New York City extremely well. So you lived and worked there, and it's only recently that you've gone out to L.A. Right. How do you like L.A.? I like it a lot. It's great. Now, another thing that I've read is that you've been getting sort of funny responses to the ending, and you've gotten these sort of contradictory responses. Yes. I have been asked most frequently, why is the ending so sad? Or did I struggle with making the ending so happy? (laughs) It was very odd. So within a matter of weeks, I had several people asking me two opposing questions about the ending. And people are really passionate. This came up recently with uh, one of my foreign editors, and she just asked me the same question that you did. And she got very, very defensive about about the book and the ending. And she said something like, I, I am willing to tell anyone who disagrees that this book has a happy ending. Oh, that's so funny. Now, do you find that people who believe it's to be happy share a certain personality characteristics or is it just completely unpredictable? I can't tell tell yet. I mean, I certainly think that the people who think it's too happy are people who sort of have a more glum view of the world. And how would you characterize it? I think it's both. Yeah. So how many siblings do you have? Three. And what's your relationship with them? It's great. I am the oldest. So I'm the queen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we all have a really good relationship. I mean, we argue. We are very, my mom is 100% Italian. We are accustomed to loud, opinionated dinner conversations where everyone's fighting to talk over one another. And we butt our nose into each other's business probably a little more than we should and fight easily, but we also make up really easily. Now tell us about the book trailer, the video trailer that you made for the book, which I found to be laugh out loud funny. But I I couldn't I, I couldn't recognize everybody. So tell us like who's in it and how you know how it came to be. Well how it came to be was that Echo asked me if I would make a book trailer. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and I said no. <laughs> and they said, Really? Because maybe you would maybe some of your celebrity friends might help. So I thought about it and I came up with an idea that I liked, which is what you saw basically. And I just happened to be friends with some very high profile people. And I asked them all to be in it and they all said yes. And they're wonderful. And I actually had more people say yes than I could use. Is that right? It's really great. And to everyone who's listening, I'll put a link in the podcast description so that you can enjoy the video because it's really fun. Yeah, it's really fun. All right. So tell me a little bit about your editing and and your writing habits. You said that, you know, at school, you had to write page after page after page. How do you do it now? Have you kept up that method or what's changed? Well, the main thing that's changed is that lately I'm not writing because I'm spending so much time promoting promoting the book. But I think that I'm going to have to keep reminding myself that while I was writing The Nest, I didn't think about what I thought a reader or, more importantly, what I thought a publisher would want. I just wrote to entertain myself, and I really wrote the kind of book that I wanted to read. 
Yeah. And you were able to suspend that anxiety and, and just keep your head down. I didn't even, I, it didn't even occur to me. I just, all I wanted to do was finish what I had started at Bennington. I never, never stopped and thought, uh, I, I mean, God, if I had, I would have changed so many things because when I was done and I was getting ready to query agents, I just had this morning of panic yeah. and I thought I have, like, I have put everything in this book that an agent and a publisher is going to hate. It takes place in New York City. There's a publishing element to it. There's a fiction writer. There's an agent. Like, yep. I, I couldn't, I had this, this is mini freak out and said to my husband, like, I can't believe I put all this stuff in here that conventional wisdom says is not going to be well received. Truly. And the other thing that I need to remind myself of is the only time I questioned myself in that way was when I was writing the characters B. Mm. And very early on, I knew she was going to be a writer. And that was the one time that I thought, oh, well, you can't make her a fiction writer, especially when you're, you are in a graduate program. That is, that is really, <laughs> really not looked on. Yeah, that's frowned Great. upon. Yeah. Now, who are your first readers? Who do you show your work to at an early stage? I have a few friends from graduate school, and they're probably my first readers, the people who I'm willing to show stuff that I think is kind of crappy, just to say, like, do you like this part or do you like that part? And I have a friend in Brooklyn, my friend Catherine, who is a generous and eager reader of everything. And then, like, when I think it's readable, because my first drafts tend to be really, really sloppy, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll show it to my husband. And I guess now at this point, I, it would go straight to my agent. I, I don't think I would. I don't think I would yeah, you'd skip, you'd skip the on husband. my friends anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. That's interesting. Well, are you working on something now or other than the promotion? Have you got it? Yeah, even a well, job, I, an have, I, I have been up until about a month ago. Um, I'm trying to get a new book started, but it's going slowly. Yeah, it's hard. We keep you very busy. Now, a couple questions about the audiobook. Were you involved at all in the casting of the narrator? I think it was Mia Barron who, yes. who read the book. Oh, tell us about that. Well, Mia's a friend of mine, and I started asking around when I knew that they were looking for someone. I, and I already knew Mia, and I knew that she was an amazing actor. And so I requested her, and they sent me maybe, I don't know, they sent me five or six people's reels to listen to. Mm -hmm. But hers was exactly what I wanted for the book. And have you heard any of the finished recording? Yes, I've been listening to it in my car. I just really? got it last week. Oh yeah. I can't believe I want to listen to it. <laughs> Do the voices match what you've carried around in your head for so long? Well, you know, it's funny because I think the voices that I've carried around in my head are just some version of my voice. And when you do an audio recording, of course, you actually have to have different voices. And so I think it was just a pleasant surprise to me to hear how many different voices Mia had developed for the book. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because she'll put a different inflection on something and I'll like it better than the way I've been thinking Ooh. about it. I love listening to Mia read parts of the book that I'm thinking of reading when I go to reading. Oh, okay. Because it's, it, it's helpful because she's an actor and a performer and I'm not. Now, a couple questions about the publishing process versus the writing process. You've mentioned the great effort that it takes to work to promote the book around publication time. I wonder what you found the very most challenging thing about being published and then the sort of the most pleasantly surprising thing about being published. Um, the most challenging thing is definitely having to talk about myself. That is hard. I'm not someone who loves being the center of attention unless 
I draw it on myself. <laughs> yeah. So that's been a huge adjustment. The unexpected great thing has been meeting and talking with booksellers, yeah. which I have loved every minute of. That has just been a sheer delight. I mean, they're just such enthusiastic, amazing, smart, interesting, fun people. So that's been really, really great. It's a terrific book, and we thank you, and we congratulate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Cynthia Dupree Sweeney talking about her debut novel, The Nest, published by Echo. Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Kat Theck with production help from Jennifer Monroe. The books featured in this episode are available for purchase wherever books are sold. Please be sure to subscribe to Harper Audio Presents, and you can send us a question or comment via our Facebook page. We hope you'll join us next time as we hear more from the leading figures across books, culture, and the arts, all brought to you by Harper Audio Presents.